0: You're listening to episode 96 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And let's stay connected on social media. You can find me across all platforms using the handle at KellerThinks.
1: I wanted you to have a dad around, a dad that's going to be involved. I miss that. You know, I, I'm. My grandparents were all uh, deceased before I, I got to meet them. So th- that was another aspect of my life that I felt like I missed. I, I had no idea what it's like to have grandparents. And so when my dad wasn't there all the time, and he was doing it to provide for us. But uh, I, when, I got, when I got to be a parent, I just, it was there. I wanted to make sure I'd be there.
0: Welcome to this week's episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and I want to thank you for tuning in, and especially if you're joining for the very first time, welcome to this show. This is the show where every conversation is designed to challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity so that you can live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And as I am going live here with this episode, it is almost Father's Day, just a few days out And what I thought I would do is have a conversation with my dad. And that's what you're going to hear today on this episode. I sit down with my dad, Mike Keller, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where I grew up most of my childhood. And we sit down and we talk about what it was like raising us, how it was like for him to be raised the way that he was brought up and where he got his work ethic from. We talk about the journey that we went on as a family with my mom battling lupus. Uh, He talks about battling depression after losing my mom. And we talk about what makes relationships work and just really the joy of fatherhood too and so this is a special conversation for me to have I really did it so I could have it for myself but I'm really glad that I get to share it with you because he and I have conversations like this all the time and I often wish I could let someone else hear it and so here is my conversation with my dad every one of us are already made brilliant you don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it it's already in you But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance, and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now, let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Well, good morning, Dad. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast today.
1: Well, good morning, Justin. It's good to be with you.
0: Uh, We tried to do this yesterday (laughs) for a while and we couldn't get it to work and so I am just glad that we got the technology figured out and that you are here with me. This is going to be really special. Uh, As I was thinking about this podcast with you, uh, I was thinking a lot about um, some of the different themes that maybe I associate and connect with you and you know, one of those is hard work, uh, for sure. And another one would be, uh, you, I, you were an intentional father. It looked different than maybe what the way I father London, but you were an intentional father and then, uh, unconditional love and then forgiveness. And so those are, as I thought about all these different things, uh, those were some of the major themes, I guess, that I associate with you and, you know, other kids might have. My dad taught me sports. My dad, you know, you did teach me fishing and things like that. But the things that really, I feel like, infiltrate other areas of my life now are are those. And it's only been later in life that I'm able to point back and see <laughs> you as uh, as that source and, and, and an influence in that. Um, because I think I was a difficult child for you,
1: wasn't I? You you were a challenge at times, but so were your siblings.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, a- we all absolutely. every child is. But uh, <laughs> I think I, you and I have talked about this. I've given I gave you and mom a run for your money for sure.
1: Yeah, well, you you stretched us definitely. <laughs> but, I thought a
0: lot about too that you and I. You know, there's there are some things that are similar, and I wonder sometimes growing up if that's if if we just had if we really clashed. Um, you know, because of that, it wasn't until later in life here where I feel like. I don't know, probably in my 30s where you and I started probably having better, I guess, conversations even, right? Right.
1: There probably are some similarities, um, but yet I didn't I didn't receive some of the qualities that you have. You you know the giftings that you you you're so good. Your your creativity, your music ability. Um, uh, I think you got that from your mother.
0: Yeah, she was mom could paint. Mom was musical. Yeah. Yes. When you say you didn't receive them, I mean, what do you do you feel like you struggled really knowing uh, necessarily like how to um, with three, you know, three different boys, <laughs> one daughter, do you feel like it was hard to know how to show up for each one individually the way they needed? I th- I
1: think it's a challenge for any parent because uh, everyone's unique. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own giftings, their own abilities, their own personalities. And and it, it it takes a it takes wisdom to to sit back and say, hey, I cannot expect the second son or the third son or the daughter uh to be the same as the first one. And so it it definitely takes wisdom to figure all that out and then and then adjust to it. Otherwise we try to make we make everyone the same. That doesn't work. I probably did some of that.
0: Well, even as a dad, I feel like um I have to catch myself with London trying not to make him like me. <laughs>
1: Right, you know that is that is that's a huge challenge for people because oftentimes parents do that, yeah. and it, it's it's frustrating, I think, when we do that for the for the child
0: when I, I was thinking about uh you know we're leading into Father's Day weekend actually here as we as we're recording this, mm, and so sure happy are. early Father's day. Uh, happy
1: Father's Day to you.
0: In true fashion, I did not send a card or anything. I have not ever been good at that. I hope you know I I love you, though.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've come to, should I say, not expect it. It's it's been it's been um, something you you, I I trust your son is better at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when I do come through, it's pretty good. I sent you that girl for the. And it really is. You make
1: you definitely make up for it. think the speaker last year yeah so i do i do try to do it well when i do it absolutely yes yes (laughs) but one of the things i was
0: thinking about as uh, i thought we'd just start off a little bit on some of this fatherhood stuff just because of where this episode's landing but you know with me with london as i as i've been thinking about things with him as a father uh i i went into it with this expectation that i have to be all of these different things that he needs me to be and uh and it's been i feel like a progression of letting go of some of those expectations and realizing uh, I'm not the only important influence in his life uh, at all. And there's going to be other people that come into his life that give him something I can't. Um, But there's like this burden to be what he needs. And I I remember you telling, I want you to share it, uh, when you felt that burden first when you became a dad, because I would have never imagined what that burden felt like until it actually happened and then it continues but what was that what did you feel when you first became a dad
1: well as i shared with you when andy was born uh when i went home to the hospital from the hospital that night sat on the bed of course there i am all alone and this overwhelming sense of responsibility came upon me it's like oh my goodness i have a child to take care of now not just a wife I've got a child and you know what a privilege it is for parents to to raise a child but there's a huge responsibility that goes along with it and so it was like a heavy blanket was dropped on my shoulders and thinking what what am I going to do now Um, and so we you know I really I really had to call out to God and say I need wisdom I've never done this before and uh, you don't you're not born being perfect and you don't have all the knowledge. So uh, it it was overwhelming at at times. And then that happened too, you know, not only a second son, a third son, a fourth child, a daughter, and it's like, oh, this is getting bigger all the time.
0: Yeah, and all that within eight years, years, really roughly eight, nine years. Exactly.
1: It was an adjustment I had to make all the time.
0: Do you... Have you thought much about you know? I know Grandpa Joe, your dad, uh, did the best he could do as a dad, but I also know there were, there were there were gaps as far as uh, maybe uh, the example of a father that he he was, and, and that you had to lean on as far as carrying that into your life as a father. So did you feel that at all? That that gap? That okay, I haven't really seen this done. Either so it's even harder without that example. Did you feel a gap?
1: Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, with my dad, he did. He did everything he possibly could. Um, I think I shared with you with nine children, and I'm the youngest. Um, he kind of ran out of gas. Uh, he showed he showed everyone how to do things, how to how to uh, overhaul engines and do all these things on the farm. And when it came to me, it's almost like he expected me to know it yeah. without without training me in that. And it just happened. And so, and then he was gone. He worked for the railroad also, besides farming in in my last three years on the farm. So he would leave on a Monday and come back on Friday night. And so I, I did not have my dad, you know, his presence, uh, his wisdom, his all the experience he could give me. Um, so my mom had to do probably both jobs of of parenting and i and i think i look back i wish i would have had more of it
0: well i was i was thinking about something because um it's interesting you bring that up that he would be gone during the week and then back at the end of the week uh, do you remember that season where let's see you we were still living in pipestone minnesota and And you were going, we were going to be moving to Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is where you're at right now uh, and where I grew up most, I would say, of my childhood. Do you remember that season where we still lived in Pipestone, yet we were going to be moving to Grand Forks and you were doing some of that back and forth? Um, You know, you were still pastoring at the time and you had the flooring business that, that you were running. And I found a picture of your 32nd birthday and that 32nd birthday was in that little i don't remember what you had like this little like one bedroom or the small little uh like town home that you were renting for a little bit in between and we came to celebrate your birthday do you remember that i remember that that season when you were going back and forth you this you made a decision to say okay this is where we need to be this is where we're going to be this is what's best for our family um did you was I would imagine that season was hard for you and I was wondering if you wrestled with being gone from us and making that decision to to do what you knew was right for us even though it was tough.
1: It was extremely difficult. It was emotionally challenging for me because I was alone and to know that I left my wife with four children uh you know by herself. And so it was and then and then the I, I did everything I could to provide. I mean, I stayed in probably the worst hotel or motel you could possibly live in. They finally condemned it the other the other day. Uh, but it it, it it was it was lonely. It was, but yet the responsibility is like I must do everything I can to provide for my family. Uh, it, it was one of the hardest times I think in my life to be apart from all of you.
0: It's. I think about that because uh, that's one of those things that you know, most people look for the easiest decisions, what's the most comfortable, you know, and uh, would you give that credit back to maybe your your dad even, or where would you give the credit to like that conviction to do what you know is right, no matter how hard it is, where did that come from in you? Is
1: that the farm boy in you? Yeah, well, it is, and you know, I think it goes back be- much before, you know, my dad, our our heritage, uh, we we are Germans from Russia, and you know it wasn't royalty mm-hmm. at all. They were farmers, and they had a very very hard life, and so they knew how to work, and so they they passed that down to every generation. Well, that's where my dad came from, and so he knew how to work very hard, and so did my mom. It was just. They didn't think about it, they never complained about it. It was it was what you do. And it was so we all developed that a good work ethic and and I think I that was passed on to me and I see that in my own my my, my own children, that you you got it too. And I think it's a very critical thing, especially in the day we're living in right now, um, to have people who are disciplined in their work. So it goes back quite a, quite a long ways. And it was hard work. It wasn't, not that what we do today isn't hard, but farm life back then was, was really, really difficult.
0: What do, you remember, what do you remember about as a kid working on the farm? Because you did through high school, right?
1: No, I, I actually, when, when I went into the eighth grade, that's when my parents, uh, mom and dad sold the farm.
0: Okay, so what do you remember up to that?
1: Uh, very young, we had to be involved with all the chores. Uh, we we had a little of everything. We had milking cows. We had chickens. We had, you know, some sheep. We had a couple of pigs. We could have survived without any grocery stores because my mom had this garden, probably larger than most people have, you know, lots for their homes, and she grew everything. They can, She canned everything. They they pickled what they, what they could, and so we were we were, you know, self-sufficient in many ways. But as a young boy, you know, we were all told we have to be involved with these chores. So I'm an early riser to this day, and I believe that goes back mm. to farm days, because those those cows had to be milked early in the morning, and as we were old enough to to do that, we had to get up even before school, and go out. I mean, yeah, you're probably going to say, "Oh, here comes one of these stories of when it, <laughs> back then." Uh, yeah. But it was like that and so we had to go out and help milk the cows and chickens have to 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 eat um, carrying buckets of feed across the yard to to feed the gather eggs you know and, and so early on we we learned how to work very hard probably did did things we probably shouldn't <laughs> be doing at that age I mean like driving a tractor and and getting in a in a, in a truck and and driving and but anyway, that's that's the way it was. So we all did it and
0: you didn't think about it. No. And that's funny you mentioned the early mornings because um, those who listen to my podcast know me as an early morning person now. Um, but you can you can <laughs> attest for the fact that that's a learned behavior, because remember, I couldn't even get up for the paper out with Patrick in the morning in the mornings at 10 years old.
1: Uh, that is true, Justin. <laughs> you were you were yeah. challenging to get up. Um, I'm surprised you didn't pick that up from me but
0: You did make us work hard though dad. I mean like that the paper yep. out. The reason we had it was I remember Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I remember um wanting like the CD player and so the only way we could get that CD player was we had to earn money and and you didn't just give us money by going and working for you. Actually, I don't remember ever getting paid doing work with you when you had the flooring business. I just remember doing the labor so i'm still waiting for that check no, i'm kidding <laughs> but I, I remember like even with i wanted air jordans for basketball and you would say well most shoes cost 50 bucks you can make up the extra 70 dollars right so we we had to learn to, to earn it somehow and so from age 10 paper out then i bagged groceries at hugo's i mean i was even a bus boy at uh, perkins so like from basically 10 till You know now we've always you've had to work to earn and that came from you that came from uh it's a different it was different work but that was from you one of the things though about you dad that so back to your dad being gone i i was wondering then it makes it interesting because you did work a lot i remember you know you would go when you were working as a pastor which you still are, but then you had your flooring business at the same time too. Before you were in ministry, that's what you you did. And so you kept that going to pay to pay the bills while you're building the church, right? Um, so I remember you being working hard, being out all day doing flooring, then being home for dinner, then oftentimes even going back to the job site or being on the job site, showing up for one of our basketball games or practices, and then even maybe going back to the job site and then still having the somehow capacity to get a message ready for the weekend. You worked hard, but you made us a priority. Do you, think it's, do you think you had like subconsciously or consciously you were aware of like, okay, my dad wasn't around during the week, like I wish he would have, so I'm going to do this differently? Or did it just, I'm wondering where that came from, I guess.
1: I think that's a part of it, Justin. I think in, in the back of my mind, I, I wanted you to have a dad around, a dad that's going to be involved. I miss that you know i i my grandparents were all uh deceased before i i got to meet them so th- that was another aspect of my life that i felt like i missed i i had no yeah. idea what it's like to have grandparents and so when my dad wasn't there all the time and he was doing it to provide for us but uh I, when i got when i got to be a parent i just it was there i wanted to make sure mm-hmm. i'd be there
0: you had to learn to be the dad that you were. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are dealt different cards in life. You know, yours was a dad that just was really working hard to provide, you know, genuinely wanted to take care of his family. Some might be a a, a girl who has a kid who didn't have a mom presence in her life. You know, at learning to be a parent, what would you say to somebody who didn't have an example of either a mother or a father? And now stepping into that role, or they've been in that role of, of being a parent, and they're like, I don't know what to do because I haven't seen it before. What would you say to that that person?
1: For me, for me, Justin, I, I went to the Lord. I remember vividly, even to this day, the day I knelt beside my bed when I was overwhelmed with parenting and being a husband. And I remember going to prayer and asking God and saying, Lord, you are... You are the father, the best father there ever could be. Uh, You know how to to treat people, to love people. Uh, I wasn't taught, Mm. so I need you to help me. I need you to really impart to me what I can be doing to be a good dad, to be a good husband. Uh, And then I also there weren't a lot of books. We're talking now, you know, mid seventies. There weren't a lot of books on parenting yet. Uh, and so whatever was available, uh, I tried to read to make sure that uh, I was gaining some type of knowledge. And so it was, I hate to say, oh, I can say <laughs> it now. It was pretty much trial and error.
0: <laughs> I read a lot of books, too, on that. And I feel like there's usually something that applies. But then most, most of the time I'm reading it saying, yeah, but then there's my son. And it's like daily, a new playbook has to be written for <laughs> for this kid. Right. And so right. And so But did you have people, though, too, in your life at all?
1: I, uh, I did. I, I tried to find couples or, or young families that were um, experiencing the same thing, but then some older that yeah. that were successful. And and so I tried to glean as much as I could from from other people.
0: What's something that you miss about having all the kids home? I mean, I'm sure there's parts of life that are good to be, uh, you know, move past those seasons. But you know, what's what's something that you actually miss about everyone being home as kids, as little kids in the home?
1: You know, just being together. I mean, you have the the contact, you have communication with each other. you know, the younger years, they're really a lot of fun. They're, they're a lot of work. I always tell parents, enjoy um, your kids when they're mm-hmm. under 10. Really enjoy that because there's a huge shift that takes place once they become teenagers. They mm-hmm. still want to be around you when they're under 10, but then they launch out and they want to be with their friends and everything when it's teenagers. So I, I miss those younger days. Um, I think back often. It's funny. Last night I was laying in bed, and all these thoughts of, of you know, you when you were small, and and uh, helping us remember some of the Christmas plays we did around the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve.
0: We still doing with our with our kids now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know yeah. those type of things with when the kids are small. I I miss that. I really do.
0: It just feels like so many parents are in a hurry to get into the next season and they're complaining about the season they're in. I agree. It's like, I can't wait till they're done. We're done with this stage. so We could be in this stage. Right. And that's right. Just hearing you say that is just that reminder of, you know, don't rush the seasons. Right.
1: Right. Well, they, they can't wait till they're till they start walking and then they they start running around, and they said, man, I wish they wouldn't have started walking so soon. And so it's one of those things. So you take each season, enjoy each one to the fullest, because as you know, Justin, they, they go very, very fast.
0: Gosh, it's crazy how fast it feels like it's going. It's I know. like It brings tears to my eyes, just thinking about how fast time's going with London. I'm like, Phew,
1: I know it, I know.
0: So I didn't ask for a lot of advice probably growing up or even into my adulthood because I wanted to figure it all out my own. But now I know you're a lot wiser and smarter than me. And so with what you know now, what advice would you give me as a dad? That you maybe you've already given it, maybe you haven't, but what advice, knowing what you know now, would you give me as a dad?
1: Well, uh, keep priorities right. I think that's, that's critical. Um, and of course, I, I believe the first thing is God first in our lives because He's He's everything to us. We need Him. We need His wisdom. We need His strength. So God first, and 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 then prioritize. Don't get so busy that hmm. that you let the days go by, the weeks go by, the months go by, um, because we don't want to live with regrets. You know, we want to make the most of each day. I think sometimes we try to do too much in a short season, instead of just enjoying where where things are right now. Mm-hmm. And so, priorities is, is critical. Setting the right priorities, um, s- slow down a little bit. We're in a, oh, we're in a world now that's it's just nonstop. It's like yeah. the the word is busy for everyone, and we need to somehow slow this slow this down.
0: No I I think that's so good. When you talk about priorities, obviously I've been married and now divorced and and maybe I'll be married again at some point. Um but something that I remember from you that uh was you often would either tell others. We had the here's what was beautiful about uh being raised in a pastor's home. I mean it had its challenges obviously, but but one of the good things that came from it is we got to be the uh, kind of fly on the wall a lot of times watching you navigate relationships and other things with other people. Even if you didn't know we were listening in or crawling to the top of the stairs to hear those conversations going on or (laughs) that was happening. And but Or whether it's the messages you were preaching on weekends, I always remember on the priority level that you talked about God first and then if you're married, you actually put that spouse next before kids, you know, a lot of, a lot of people will just take the blanketed, uh, God first. People will say that, um, even many people, and then they'll say family, but that's just lumped the spouse and the kids all together and didn't, didn't prioritize one or the other. And so I can, I just, I remember that always from you that, um, that, but what's, why is that important? The spouse, then kids, to you because that's something that you, I remember you preaching.
1: Mm-hmm. I, and I believe in it and I preach it today because the family, the core of the family is made up of, first of all, the husband and wife, the mom and dad. And so if that's strong, that's going to come down to the children. Mm-hmm. If there's if there's contention, there's strife, there's fighting, uh, that will trickle down to the kids. It's It's much like our nation a nation's only strong as the citizens of that nation. And so sometimes we are trying to, to improve in the wrong areas. So the strength must come from the core relationship and that's that's the husband and wife. And so that's, that's why I, I preach it yeah. and I, I believe in it.
0: Let's talk a little bit now about, um, let's move into talking about you and mom as we're talking about husband and wife here now. And you guys were married for 34 years before mom passed away, and I always talk about the love that you two had as just this ultimate example. I mean, there's definitely, uh, even seeing such a good love with that can come some hurdles that you just put this really high expectation, unrealistic expectation probably even on on relationships, but at least there was like this really high standard uh, that I'm aiming for and, and desire at least a lot of elements of it um, I want to talk about that. What made you guys strong and all that, but first, I've all, I've thought about this a lot lately. It's just how different you two were, uh, and even just your backgrounds. Like it's it's really kind of uh, funny to think about. I mean, mom was just pageant girl. She was this cheerleader, you know, and this city girl, and just a different. She was raised a lot different. <laughs> <than> exactly, <you. laughs> she was. So take me as back. they say. I married up. Yeah, you married up. You punted your coverage, is what we would say. So, uh, I uh, just—I don't remember talking much about this, but how did you guys meet again?
1: Well, we we were high school sweethearts. Yeah. So we actually the first connection was in a science class, and there was something about—I don't know—there was a picture of someone with six fingers, (laughs) and I haven't thought about this for so long. And so we both had seen that, and for some reason we i don't know we we laughed about it we uh and so we always brought that up. you know, okay. six fingers was something uh, so we met in you know we didn't have large class uh classes, so uh, that's where it all started when did you uh, at, when, in high school when
0: did you first ask her out
1: Well, how many times did I get denied? Are you asking before it happened <laughs> um well, I worked at a, a um, Kentucky Fried. Ch- well, back then it was called the Big Boy. Okay. So they had Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they they had these burgers, um, cutie flies, they called them. And uh, so I worked there one summer. Well, she and her family loved that, so they'd always come in. And so I'd try to get up by the counter when she came in. And uh, so that's I think that's where I started dropping the seed of, you know, would you like to get together sometime? and uh so that I think that's where that started. It took me some courage to do that, and I think part of it too was, as you said we we came from totally different backgrounds mm-hmm. and here I'm a little farm boy, and she she's a city girl yep and and so, yeah, I was a little intimidated, especially with you know her big brothers I mean she's the youngest also and uh and then her then her parents, yeah. No. i mean we pulled up in the driveway when i did take her out for a date and as soon as i got on the concrete the lights would start flickering outside lights it's papa like, would do that okay oh yeah or no probably grammy okay yeah oh yeah that those lights flickered that meant you better get in here real fast No, will
0: make it out in that car dad
1: <laughs> no
0: <laughs> that's right all right so this is a, this is something that i i don't think i've asked you and uh it's a it's a question that a lot of people have, especially if they're dating, or you know, and and so on. Would be, uh, how did you know that she was the one?
1: I think I think the more time, I and mean, we were young. I mean, we were like I said, high school sweethearts.
0: Well, you got married too at and eighteen, nineteen, correct, or nineteen, twenty?
1: I was nineteen; she was eighteen. Yeah, yeah that's young. Uh, she, I don't know. The more we, the more we spend time together, it's it's like. For me, and I think it was the same for her, there was this, I, there was just knowing on the inside. It's like I I, I knew there, the day was going to come I was going to marry her. Hmm. Um, it doesn't happen for everyone. It wasn't this what some would call love at first sight. Uh, you know, we developed a friendship and relationship and and just over time, I mean, by the time we were seniors, uh, there were conversations about someday getting married. Wow. And of course I came not that many months after. Yeah. So so we just developed a relationship.
0: I've always thought of you and mom as being really well aligned. And maybe that's just because you guys made the decision to um, not show us anything different. But uh, w- what I was wondering about was when you guys did get married, uh, did, you, did you talk about or uh, discuss what you really wanted life to look like together? Did you start out with that alignment or did you just say, we want to be together, we'll figure the rest out?
1: Uh, to be honest, I think it was more of the latter. <clears throat> we we will figure this out. We love each other We will. we will be happy. We'll work it out. Now, I wish I would have had a five, 10, 15 you know, year plan for her, but <clears throat> I didn't.
0: Why do you wish you would have had that?
1: Um, well, I think it brings a little bit more security. I, I think I think women need wives need security. That's one of their greatest needs, I believe. And so, but you know, we were we were just kind of naive, I guess, in all this. We loved each other, and that love was strong enough to say, no matter what happens, we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. I remember when <clears throat> when I moved to we moved to Brookings, South Dakota, because I'd been working for my one of my brothers in Minot. And then when we made the move, I know that was very hard for your mom because. She's going to leave her family. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time. And I remember Papa came, came to me and he said, uh, Mike, are you going to be able to take care of my little girl? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, I promise you, I will always take care of her. And he said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we did. We just, every time it was, it was trust that, you know, God's going to provide, we're going to be happy and, and uh, things will work out.
0: Do you think there's some benefit though, too, uh, to the, like, is there a balance, I guess, maybe between the trying to have to have it all figured out and, and guarantee this is what our life should look like versus uh, the other where you guys just had a foundation of, look, I know I want to be with you no matter what, and let's figure it out. Do you think there's you know, some benefit even to
1: that? You know, looking back, Justin, and seeing how things are today, a lot of couples wait till they're almost in their 30s to get married. Looking back, I wouldn't have changed anything.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because number one, you get to be parents when you're younger. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I think it was good. I think we, we knew we didn't have everything figured out you know when is when is it enough? you know that's what I always ask couples when is it enough? when do you feel like you're ready you know is it does it mean so many dollars in the bank? Does it mean so many years old what 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 does that look like and mm-hmm. and how do we ever start defining that so i I think it I think it's good um I think maybe some people would disagree that people should wait a quite a while, but I think there's benefits in getting getting married a little bit younger, maybe not nineteen and eighteen <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but you're, I like that, that it's just, you know, even hearing you talk about that right now, just, um, how do you end up defining it? You know, and the, tar- and the target always keeps moving probably if you keep trying to delay it. Right. And so, um, yeah, no, one of the things too, dad, that, uh, I, I, I wished I had the same patience you have, uh, the same level of kindness that you have. I feel like those are things I've had to really learn and have had to painfully learn them by not being that way in different times of my life. And but one of the things that is I was curious about is I never heard you raise your voice with mom. I mean, so at least you didn't in front of us. Um is that just something you did that you kept from us or did you were you was the gentleness and the kindness something that uh, you actually did display to her all the time. I I, I wanted to ask you that because was it a front that like let's protect the kids from this?
1: I think it's twofold. I think it was, um, protecting you, all of you. Uh, I didn't I didn't think that was the environment that uh, would foster anything good inside you. Uh, I heard my dad raise my voice a lot. Raise his voice? A different, yep, in different situations. Uh, it never brought any peace in, in the home when that happened. Um, and if, you know, your mother and I didn't always agree with everything, on everything. We, we definitely, we had our own opinions, and, and, but we tried to get to a place where we would, um, we, would we would be in agreement. We wouldn't disagree um, and stay in that place of disagreement we try to come out of whatever it was we needed to discuss to be in agreement together and i think that's a key in 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 marriage
0: so if you kept that from us did you i guess two two things one would be uh did you guys get upset toward each other cuz i personally i grew i grew up probably to this day even still feeling like wait is it normal to get upset because i don't remember seeing them get upset so I wanna know, did you, ever get, did you guys actually ever get upset with each other? Um, and then two, how did you resolve things then? What, what was your strategy? Because you did keep it from us.
1: Yeah. I think both your mother and I had a weakness.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: we probably, and I didn't discover this till later on in life, um, probably just a few years ago. And that is, I think we were both passive aggressive. <laughs> Okay, so your mom was a peacemaker. I mean, she tried making peace in her with her siblings. She always oh, she carried this load of if, if there was any turmoil, she wanted to fix it. Yeah. And so so she was that peacemaker. Um and, and myself, I think I, I the more passive aggressive also. I think it's not a good thing. So we did have we did disagree with each other. We never yelled at each other. That I can tell you, we we never did. Were we upset with each other? Yep. There were times your mama was upset with me, mm. and uh, it didn't really come out in 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 words, but you know, actions speak volumes too, of course. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we we did. Uh, we never we never raised our voice. I guess we learned early on in our Christian walk that that we should be. Um, you know, the scripture says, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for edification. And, and so we tried to practice that. Yeah. And I'm glad we learned that early on. So, no, we never yelled.
0: It's interesting. I've never ta- uh, we've never talked, you and I, about uh, you being passive aggressive or mom. And, and I'll tell you as a son, like, those are things I later in life have thought a lot about is that, uh, like, mm-hmm. this is a really funny example. But uh, German chocolate cake, <laughs> okay, Mom used to always make you a German chocolate cake on your birthday, right right and i and i I for years thought German chocolate cake must be my dad's favorite cake. <laughs> we were all having sharing fun stories of Mom after she had passed away, and you ended up disclosing to us that German chocolate cake is not in fact your favorite cake.
1: Why didn't you ever tell mom? I appreciate what she did. You know, I, I, can, I can roll with it. You know, that's a, I like to say, you know, we don't sweat the small stuff because really it's all small stuff. It's all small stuff in the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can get so technical over the sm- small things. You know, it's kind of like when we first got married, it was the, you know, about rolling the toothpaste, Instead of just you know if you squeeze it or yeah. roll it, well ends up those are small things that're not worth the battle, and so you you compromise
0: we get too picky is that ultimately in relationships or with people? I think so. it's funny you said that because I don't remember a lot of things that like advice you gave me, so you know i I don't think of you as the dad that always had the one liners unfortunately, like London you know has a dad who comes up with slogans for a living, so he'll probably like have axiom after axiom that he has to try to live by but right, uh, right. but i do remember two from you and and one of them was uh, always think the best of others I, I don't remember why you told me that or how many times you said it but it's just something i remember and then don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff <laughs> those are, it's funny you just brought that up because that's something that i b- remember and reference a lot but on the flip side though as you talked about being passive-aggressive is there, how do you balance, I guess, then do you wish you would have won? probably been a little more assertive and there's a benefit to being more direct and honest in relationships if you do it with loving and kindness. And then how would you balance though, being assertive and in, in, in saying what you need and want versus, you know, the times where you should com- compromise? Because do you believe that compromise is important in a relationship too?
1: Very important. Very important.
0: So how do you distinguish the difference, I guess?
1: Yeah, I think what happens for those of us who are passive aggressive, um, there's there's a real art of learning how to overcome that because I think what we can do is is we we want to say something but we're almost afraid mm-hmm. to so we just stuff it and you know the old saying you lava only boils so long and pretty soon it erupts. You know, that volcano will erupt. And I think that that can be a quality, unfortunately a bad one, of passive aggressive. And so when we come out and finally address something, it's 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 too late, number one. And it, we're probably letting too much come out then. We probably we we combine four or five, six, ten things, and so then we spew this hot lava out at one time. And that's mm. that's damaging. So it's really about communicating sooner than later. I still have to work at that.
0: Yeah, you and mom, uh, you know, obviously raising four kids is a challenge in um, its own. You know, we didn't come from just super, you know, wealthy background, and so, you know, you had to work hard to provide for us, and you gave us a great life, uh, but you had to work hard for that and made sacrifices so mom could be home and raise us at the house which is something I'm so grateful for uh yeah so I probably should say thank you for that to you which I don't know if I ever really have but you you provided that right and I, I only can say that now because I remember when when I was first married that's that was my desire was to see Anna be able to stay home and and London have a mom home with him and I worked hard to make that happen that was like that was the goal that was the target it wasn't the house we would buy it wasn't the cars we would have it was make enough so she can be home as a mom for our son. And uh, so, um, but one of the probably obviously most uh, influential things in, in our lives as kids and yours together as a couple and you as an individual uh, would have been Mama's battle with lupus. Because, you know, I was 12 when we found out and um, it really it limited Uh, some of the ways she was able to experience things in life uh with us and you know now being having been married myself and being a dad um it it just puts a different lens on it in the way that i see what it might have been like and so what what was it like for you if you don't mind me asking because i uh, but when you and mom found out and you actually had that diagnosis you'd been through all the testing to to realize okay this is what is going on do you remember like what what that felt like for you two?
1: i think initially it it was you know we were both very concerned because at that time there weren't the treatments like uh, there are today Um, but we purposed that we were going to to work through it together to find out what help is available Uh, and that's why as you know, you know we sent your mother down to South Carolina for treatments that were um, unconditional at the time. Uh, unconventional. Unconventional. I'm sorry, unconventional and and uh, and experimental. Uh, yeah. And so.
0: Doctor Doctor
1: Doctor Modenica, yes. I and, and whether it was to Hilton Head Island to see him, or there were some trips to to um, Denver when she needed plasmapheresis. And so each step of the way, we had to, we had to face it. And I, I think for your mom, it was there was more, more fear, I guess, that we could call it, that she had to contend with. Anytime someone's dealing with sickness, it's the person that has to deal with fear more than, than the other family members. So we did everything we could. I, I vowed to, to do everything possible um, to see her through that. And those are difficult times.
0: Yeah, I mean, just seeing you, just were... like knowing how hard you worked, you know, obviously to provide. And then it's a whole nother mental and physical and emotional uh, exertion to navigate this with mom. Knowing all that, Dad, I just, yeah, I don't know how you held it together. Um, and I don't know how you guys stayed together and stayed strong through that because wasn't it one of your doctors that said most of the couples that go through extreme um he said over 50
1: percent usually get divorced
0: that are going through um serious illnesses
1: correct yeah
0: and it's to me that's just crazy that uh the one you love you would walk away from when they need you the most Right.
1: right i i couldn't comprehend that.
0: Yeah, and you didn't, you know, for for me it was a constant roller coaster of emotions as a as a kid I remember um getting a lot of calls like throughout you know, into my 20s about hey, mom might not make it through the night and either trying to drive back home or not being in a place where I could get back home. Uh even the the emotions of, you know, she needed a kidney, she transplant, she was on dialysis. And um I remember one time sitting in my office in San Antonio actually and I she had got the call to get the kidney and but then on were you guys on your way already when you found out one it was like one protein off and that kidney wouldn't work. no we actually
1: were at the hospital in in fargo when we found out
0: so what about like um, ups and downs like that you know when because i know for me it was like this feeling of mom's gonna get life now and then no, like just was taken. It felt like it was taken away from her again, even though she, it wasn't hers yet. How what toll did that take on you?
1: It took well. It it took more of a toll than than I realized. I mean, it was it, it was a tremendous let letdown for your mother. But I think what was harder than that one, you know, when I donated the, the first kidney,
0: yep.
1: your mother felt so responsible that that one failed. Mm. I don't know if she ever expressed any of that with you guys, She did, but she, she actually, she said, Mike, I let you down.
0: Let me just give a little backstory so the listeners understand. Cause uh, my dad was, we were all tested to give uh, my mom potentially uh, our kidney and be a match. My dad actually ended up being a match, a perfect match for her. And so they went to Mayo Clinic, had the transplant, and unfortunately when a biopsy was done on it right that's when it was punctured um and so don't need to go into that part of the story but uh that's what you're referencing when when we're talking about my dad actually was able to be a donor to my mom and then um and we were, everything was looking great and then that one failed so anyway
1: right eight months after the transplant yes yeah so that's when she went on dialysis after that and so when we she had the opportunity for a second one that was devastating because she our expectation was so high that we'd get one Mm -hmm. and with each disappointment justin you know being her husband and i could see a digression um taking place in her you know the hope was was leaving Um, i did my best to always encourage her and she was strong she was a strong woman she was strong in faith um but different things really affected her a lot i I think one of the things when she got uh, toward the probably the last nine months uh, when she got the diagnosis that um, medications were affecting her eyesight, that really affected her um, and then we saw things just gradually go beyond that but yes. A lot of different emotions, yeah, we worked together on it. I did my best to encourage her uh, took a uh, probably a greater toll on me than I realized it wasn't until after she had gone to heaven that um, you know people, especially in my church, said, pastor, we were very concerned about you uh, we didn't realize the toll it was taking on you,
0: yeah, I guess a couple things then that I was curious I wanted to ask about that would parlay that would be. Have you had a chance to reflect on that season, uh, all that, all the ups and downs and extract from it anything that you take into life now, Um, whether that's, okay, I I would do something differently or I'm glad that gave me the gift of seeing this through that hardship. Uh, Have there been different things?
1: i yeah i don't think i w- you know would have done anything different i'm a I'm a natural server so i'm i'm it's it's easy for me to do do things um I have to actually curb that a little bit and let other people do things um but looking back it was it was really no other way but the grace of God um that was upon my life because in the natural i don't know how i did everything mm-hmm. i don't i absolutely don't know how to provide to take care of her to run a church. Um, I, I really don't. I stand in awe that that I made it through, you know. And so, so I've, I've I, had a, I I had think I've received um, a revelation of how grace really works in our lives. How's that? And, and and it's and it's stronger. It's 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 God's power actually working in us. We don't always know it, but if we, but He's there working in us. And I think that sustained me because I probably should have <laughs> collapsed in some of these seasons. I remember one time the doctors her doctor said, he looked at me, we were in, she was in the hospital, so he came to me and he said, Mike, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an order right now. And I said, really? He said, I want you to go home, hook up your boat, and go fishing. <laughs> you need to just, I can see it on you. You need to go. You need a little break. So she, you, your wife's going to be okay. You just go, get out of, the city for a half a day at least. And so people were seeing that I I wasn't you get so focused on wanting to help. You want the best for your spouse. You just do everything you can. And so hmm. I'm I'm grateful that I, I survived it. But I think it's the grace of God.
0: Do you think you uh so it was I guess well one, I didn't ever feel uh the like there was something missing that the focus was elsewhere, which was interesting because you know, I knew you had all those moving pieces—us, mom, and work—and yet each one of them just seemed like a rhythm that you had in your life, right? And so, yeah, I don't know how you did that. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. But, um, I think
1: that's a serving gift that's in yeah. me, Justin, and and I, I think I got that from my mama.
0: Did you ever have moments where you felt like? I can't do this like i i I, like i just can't do it this is whether you want to quit on the church side or you you do i want to get rid of something right now whether that's marriage church you know did you ever have those moments that were like i got to get rid of something because i don't know how i can handle all of this
1: you know they probably were there justin i didn't focus on it to be honest with you because i if I, if I stop one, it's going to affect the others. You know, if I get out of church life, well, that's my, my vocation, my provisions that, that are taking care of us. So uh, that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I'm surely not gonna divorce my wife. Um, and, and so I, there's things I just couldn't change. And so you, you just determine that you're gonna make it somehow. I, I, you don't always know how, but uh, we just determined we would somehow, some way. So
0: quitting wasn't an option on anything
1: quitting would definitely was not an option yeah. it can't be for us you know you don't lose unless you quit yeah. and so we just i just kept on fighting and and your you know your mom the last when she decided to stop dialysis you know the, probably the hardest decision of my life was she said mike i'm I, i'm i've decided but i don't want you to keep me back mm because she knew there were a couple other times where she should have died. And we just hung on to God and and she came through. And so for her to look her in the eye and say, you're asking a lot, um, but because I love you so much, I, I have to let you go and I don't want to. Everything within me was screaming, but that's what love does, I guess. That was the hardest, hardest time of my life. And I really thought, I really thought she ch- she would uh, change her mind on that because I said, okay, I, I I I will honor your your request. I'm I'm hating to do this, but I love you so much. But but you're going to have to tell the kids because you were all home at that time, and so she got. This was about five o'clock in the morning. She said, get them up. So I, that didn't work either. I tried, mm-hmm. but that was the hardest. That 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 was the hardest thing in my life to this day.
0: It is the reality that she you talked about the quality of her life you know slowly just gradually g- just worsening and and it was yeah it was a decision for her to say I can't keep going on like this and dialysis w- was keeping her alive and so the, ch- right. the choice exactly. to not keep doing dialysis is what led to that ultimate um, end of that
1: she grow she she was weary Justin and she, she was tired and I I never blamed her for it I don't know if I would have if i've got to stuck it out as long as she did
0: no i mean the, both you know both of you have i guess uh i'd say both of you have in different ways showed the the never quit you know mentality not a not this like prideful you know you don't know when to stop something or right. but it's right. it's the it's the don't quit when it's hard
1: mhm yeah
0: that season after Mom passed away, uh, how did you ever come through that, and did you you and I have talked a little bit about even seasons of depression through that? Is that something you're comfortable talking a little bit about?
1: Oh, very much so. Uh, you know, right after you know the services and you guys left, and I actually went down, as you know and spent eight or nine days with nicole because she was going through some some things in her own marriage yeah uh, i look back I, I wish i wouldn't have done that <laughs> because i i would i left everything i unhooked from all my emotions and and then i came back and i had to face them again i'll never forget it um my friend who brought me picked me up at the airport i could not go in the front door hmm. I get emotional. <laughs> Thinking about that. Because I knew all all that was there was, you know, memories, but but I knew there was an emptiness there. And I'm so glad he stayed with me that for however long it took me to have courage to open up that door and go in. And I think Justin, I look back again and I really I did my best. I'm I'm knowledgeable enough. On the dangers of grief. I've helped a lot of people over the years, but when you go through something, it's like you—I felt like I didn't know anything for a while. Mm. But then I started—I started realizing that I have to be very, very careful not to allow that—the real deep spirit of grief—to get into me. And so I um, did—I did deal with the time. I forced myself. I guess that's the best way. I forced myself to get through it. I did things that probably some people wouldn't do for a month or six months or a year. Um, I remember going to the Hallmark store. Your mother and I loved going to the Hallmark store together. And, and we knew the owner. And I remember going, going in that Hallmark store mm-hmm. and I looked at the owner and I just broke down and I cried. And she came over to me, put her arm around me said, Mike, it's okay, let's try it again another day. Hmm. I remember going to, I thought I'm going to go to a movie because your mother and I like to do that. And Well, your mother's, well, one of her best friends were there. And I just, then I lost it again. And, and so different things, but so I tried to do things that maybe most people wouldn't do. I knew if I didn't face reality, um, I wasn't denying anything because I'd go home. I remember going through all the photographs we had all the pictures yeah. you know dividing up you know five five different piles thousands of pictures and each picture had a memory and I couldn't share it with anyone and then and then it, it kind of hit me where I just started crying uncontrollably one day and I knew something wasn't right and and there's an event that happened that really changed my life a spiritual event but but I remember I went to my doctor and I said, something's wrong. I said, I get up in the morning, I go downstairs to write four or five things down I need to do for the day. By the time I get downstairs, I can't remember it. Hmm. And he said, well, we maybe should give you a little something. And he said, you're not going to be on it a long time. You just need to get through this season. And I said, well, give me something. So he gave me an antidepressant to take just for a couple months, I think it was. It wasn't that long, Maybe maybe six months at the most. But that kind of took the edge off. And and that's the first time, Justin, I ever really dealt with major depression. I had never experienced it before. I've helped other people, but I've never, never experienced it. And I think that made me more sensitive um, from that point on to other people who have it. It's a real thing. It's
0: interesting you say that because, you know, there's a part of our background and heritage that you've given us through faith that, you know, always wants to hope the best, believe the best, um, you know, through any circumstance. Right. And I think that I've always, uh, as I've tried to dissect that later in life, I've, I've realized that's the root probably of optimism for me in my life, ultimately. And, and a healthy, uh, display of that faith is, is optimism that things c- can still be good when they're not, that things might work out when they're not looking like they're going to, right. Um, I had to arrive at different places in my life where I, I, I had to realize like, there's some natural things. There's just some practical things that have to be done sometimes to get help, to get through things. Did Was that hard for you to, um, knowing you've spent so much of your life <laughs> teaching others about miracles and faith and believing for all these things, to know that I need actually this. I need a, a medication for a little bit to fight depression, something I never thought, I've, I thought I have joy, you know, was that tough for you to admit the reality of that and accept that?
1: I don't think so, Justin, mm. because of all the things your mother went through, you know, we did everything we could. Yeah. And this was something so new in my life that I, it's like, I, I didn't have the fight for it. Mm. It seemed like I couldn't, I couldn't conquer it. And it was gaining on me. And I, and I know enough about it that um, because there was a day I, I felt like, why am I even here anymore? You know, the love of my life is gone. My children are all moved away. And I'm here. And so it was a short, real short time that I had those thoughts of, well, should I just, could could this somehow end? Um, and I don't admit that a lot, but it happened. It's a reality. Um, and so I, I no, it, it it wasn't it wasn't a, a real struggle to make that decision. I knew I needed some help, just like your mother needed some help.
0: I was curious what you learned by. Uh, so I I enjoy philosophy a lot, and Seneca writes. Uh, he was writing a letter to his mother. He was in he was exiled, and he was actually writing a letter to his mother and basically told her, uh, "Don't cheat your grief." You know, she was missing him and and knew he she, that she would be missing him and. But he said, don't cheat your grief. And I think of what you describe as you didn't cheat your grief. Walking into the place that made you think of her, you know, walking and sitting in the theater that makes you think of the things you did together. Looking at the pictures that reminds you of the life you had built together. What did you learn about the grief process as far as the healthy side of like facing that grief and not denying those moments to feel hurt and pain?
1: Well, I did learn that God gave us emotions and we it's it's very important to, to let them be released. I mean, the number of times I cried over those pictures, for example, without feeling bad. You know, knowing that, hey, this did happen. You know, my wife is gone. Um, but I, I have some treasures here. I can remember. Memories are mm-hmm. Are are so valuable, and and so I have these treasures that I can always look back. I can think back to, um, and that that helped propel me to, not focus on, I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. Although, you know, being in that big house, that was I could only be in that house for a couple of days. I had to get out. My boat was my therapy. Yeah, I'd get out on that lake for, a good quality of time. So I. I I think I've I've learned that you cannot, with with depression that I was faced with, that I was headed for a a slippery slope Mm -hmm. if I didn't take the courage to to recognize, yes, this has happened, but yet I have to move on. And I'll do things to, to prove to myself that I can move on. And I'm glad I did those things. And I think that's why I recovered probably a little bit quicker than than some. I wasn't denying that one, in in any way at all.
0: So it's um, but to be able to, I guess, celebrate like what you did have at least, and and honor that and cherish that, and um, be able to put that in the category of, and seeing that even though I don't have her here, look what we did get to have. That's a that's hard. I feel like I'm learning. I mean, like even going through divorce, it's like it's hard not to look at some things in your life and say, like, this is what I had, like, and see it as taken from me. And it takes a lot of work to flip the script and say, but look what look what I was able to have, and and take that for what it was worth in that season, and not try to carry that worth into the next season. It's hard. It's hard.
1: Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, but I think it's important. I, I, I know your mother would have would have uh, wanted me to not sit in grief for years and years and years, and so I, and yeah. we we had talked about that, hmm. and so
0: you know, being re, being remarried now, and uh, are there times that so even though you don't like linger in grief, there's at least. From what I've learned about grief is that it isn't a once and done thing. It's not a. It's not an event. It is something that uh, can. There's different parts of it that and are different um, displays of that 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 come up, mm-hmm. right?
1: And that's because th- there are things that trigger our emotions. That's why. Yes. That happens. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So so, even though you've remarried, there's times that you still. There must be times that you still feel. See something, think of something, whether it's even like us, oh absolutely and think, yeah, right, and so do you let yourself feel those for that moment then oh, absolutely, or do you try to dismiss it no it?
1: no i I don't try to dismiss it you don't yeah. you don't just turn you know have a have a relationship with someone for thirty four years well actually thirty seven <laughs> um and then flip the switch it's it's a part it'll. Those things are always a part of me, Justin. will always be a part of me, so i I never try to stifle them um, to talk to talk about your mother. I have no problem doing that at all, so it's I think it's healthy.
0: yeah, no, I agree the what um, I appreciate you sharing all that because i I know you and I had talked about that a couple probably a couple years ago now, or at least mm-hmm. a year or so ago and um and so I just appreciate you sharing that because I, I will say as a as a kid growing up I I remember growing up feeling like I'd never see that side of my dad and uh, it was more helpful to realize just the human nature of you that, that exists and when I'm going through things later in life and I and so if anything it's actually that's something where I look at it. I want my son to see even now like understand dad's okay with the emotions and, and and experiencing different things and and um and sharing that with him so he realized like no, these aren't this is normal and it doesn't become something that cripples later but it's helpful for you to you share that stuff The uh, I, with you and with you and mom i think probably the last couple things i want to close out on is um you've you had the chance to build a great marriage with mom but you've also had the opportunity to come alongside of probably at this point, hundreds of couples, right? Right, right. Over the, over the years that you've been right. in, in ministry and pastoring. And you've seen <laughs> most things that couples go through, right? In different ways, right? Whether it's uh, good or bad. And so I have a couple, I guess, questions for you. Uh, one would be, what do you think tears marriages apart? And I know it might not be just one thing, but, uh, if there's something that you would say, there is at least a couple of things I would look out for that I think tears m- most marriages apart, no matter who you are, what consistently would do that?
1: Well, I think <clears throat> lack of communication is going to be number one. That's hmm. that has to be at the heart of it. Number two, I'd say a lack of respect. I think couples without really realizing, you can develop a lack of respect for one another. Maybe things that are done, um, you don't deal with. And then they start, like I talked about earlier, being passive aggressive, you can continue to build those things up.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so it really, it really strips uh, respect out of us. And that's mm-hmm. never, never healthy. So I, I think love mm-hmm. and respect are two critical things that have to be in a marriage relationship. Not just love. There has to be respect
0: what about when you what if you find out that let's say let's say to a a wife to a husband she says i don't respect you because of a lot of those typical responses would be well you should respect me uh so you're not saying just respect them no matter what right i mean is there there's a personal responsibility that comes with that to earn respect isn't there
1: well i think i think again goes back to the communication what that has to be explained. What, what am I doing then that's causing that? What can I change, first of all? Um, our tendency can be to get defensive. Um, and so rather than that, what, what can be done? What can I do to change? Uh, and then make a, a conscious effort to, to think about that. When that does happen, my first move should be, I'm going to change that versus doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, there comes mm. a point where, yeah, you know, respect, trust is earned. It, you know, it really, really, you have to develop your actions, should be such where people trust you. So, trust has to be there. And so, th- there has to be, a, it's hard to say this without saying communication is the key. It, mm. You have to talk about those things. Mm. You really do.
0: So, lack of communication tears marriages apart. Something other than communication—what do you think builds uh, strong marriages consistently?
1: Respect, and and right words. Choosing our words, choosing our words. Um, there's a scripture that says that I quoted it before that we're not to let any words proceed out of our mouth, any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths, but only that which is good for edification. And that word edification means to build. So I encourage everyone, are the words we are about to say, will they build up that person or yeah. will they tear down this building? Which one? Words are powerful. they, their Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so I, I see that happening today if there's a weakness it's that's one of the main ones there's destructive words taking place and those cut deep and they're hard to overcome sometimes gosh yeah yeah
0: for sure um well I, i'm i love you and i appreciate you doing this um with me i'm going to there's so many different things we could talk about um maybe we'll I think for sure, I'd love to have another conversation with you at some point down the road about forgiveness because the story of you and your dad is, is one that is just absolutely beautiful that um, uh, that we, you know, this will get, this will turn into, there's a podcast that I like and he does like these two or <laughs> three hour episodes. I'm like, this will be one of those. But I think why, we'll save forgiveness for another time. Um, yeah,
1: that's that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. Yep. And that's a critical point in relationships too.
0: Yeah. So we'll save yeah. that for another time and I'll have you back on because it's it's one of, it, to to this day, it's that combined with some other things that I've read. It is one of the most powerful, um, I guess, lessons for my life. Uh, and about giving people chances when you sh- they feel like, or you feel like they shouldn't get them. So we'll save that. But um, I did say earlier, I don't remember, and I say this often, sort of jokingly, that I don't remember a lot of advice that you gave me as a kid. I I, I say that though, because what I respect more is, I didn't need you to give me a lot of advice and I don't need you to give me a lot of advice. It was always your actions that led your actions, that showed me what you didn't have to say. And I don't think that a lot of dads are that way. I think a lot of, there are a lot of dads that can have the words to say and don't necessarily back it up with the actions. They'll tell them how to treat others, yet not treat a spouse well, or not treat a server at a restaurant well. And so, your actions always spoke louder than any words had to so that's something that i think a lot about with as a dad now i i've i've said things multiple times to to, to friends that or content that i put out which is i think that our the way our kids are influenced it's going to be by what they see because they'll hear it but they're going to question what mm. they see <laughs> not, that's more so than anything true. and so I just appreciate you and love you so much. This was special to do. And uh, thanks for being a part of this and happy early Father's Day.
1: Well, I love you, Justin. I'm very proud of you. Uh, it's been fun watching you be a dad. Uh, I watched you, your mother and I said this about you, of uh, many good things, of course, <laughs> but we watched how we watched how you were around small children. In fact, I always tell young couples that are dating, get around small kids to see how they're, they are with small children. That'll determine a lot. You'll see how they, how they function. Mm-hmm. And so we saw you with little kids all the time. You just were amazing with them. And kids were drawn to you. And, and we always said, he's gonna make a great daddy someday. And so I'm seeing that quality. You're, you're a great dad, Justin. Um, I love you, proud of you. And a happy Father's Day to you and all those who, who will listen to this. Well,
0: thanks, Pops. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that there was something in there for you that was worthwhile uh, for you to listen to this. I know it was really a conversation I just wanted to have with my dad, but I also want to encourage you, if you're fortunate enough to have your parents still in your life, sit down, call them, pick up the phone, whatever it is, And have the conversations that you want to have with them. Maybe it's tough conversations you need to have, or maybe it's just like this. And you just want to learn more about what life was like, uh, because a lot of it just happens to us and we don't take the time to actually go back and ask what things were like. And so if you're fortunate enough to have your parents around, have those conversations. And I also want to acknowledge that many of you maybe didn't have a father figure in your life and, or you've lost your father. And so I know that Father's Day isn't always a glorious, happy uh, day and occasion. And so I, w- I want to acknowledge that and understand that um, I'm sorry that today or this time of year might be hard for you. But I do appreciate this community being a community where I can actually have conversations like this. Uh, it was fun sharing on social media that I was going to, and, and there were many of you that were excited to. Uh, listen in on, on this conversation. So I'm just grateful for this community choosing to fight for brilliance in every area of our lives. We are, there's a few more interviews coming up before we hit episode 100. So make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if there was anything in this episode that really resonated with you that you think might also resonate with someone else, feel free to uh, share it with two or three people, screenshot it, share it across social media, however you like. I just appreciate everybody who's growing this community by sharing it with others. And if you have not rated and reviewed the show, would you leave a quick rating at least today? If you haven't rated it, just go rate the show. It doesn't take but a second. And if you want to stay on it for like maybe two more seconds, maybe three, just a short review would be really appreciated as well as that just helps people know what to expect as they're searching for podcasts. So, all right, with that, I'm going to leave you with your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant.